study tonight out of the book of Micah, chapter 7, or at least the first part of chapter 7. We'll do another part of chapter 7 another week. Uh, the enemy in the house, but I will arise. Starting verse 1, Woe is me, for I am like those who gather summer fruit, like those who glean vintage grapes. There's no cluster to eat the first ripe fruit which my soul desires. So in other words, by summertime, all the fruit is gone. There's nothing left. And I feel that way. I just feel, oh, is me. I feel like there's nothing there for me. Everything's been taken. Everything's gone. Everything I hoped for, everything I dreamed for, everything I wanted is just passing away. Kind of like going over the hill. <laughs> and all that I wanted is just passing before my fingers. Spring is gone, summer is here, it's nothing but hot and no fruit. Barrenness is Micah's feeling at this point. The faithful people have perished from the earth, and there is no one upright among us. They all lie in wait for blood. Every man hunts his brother with a net. The prince asks for gifts, the judge seeks a bribe, and the great man utters his evil desires and they scheme together. Uh, it's, uh, just like what Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. That's an uh, apt description of the day we're living in today. Faithful people have perished from the earth. There's no voices being lifted up. Godly principles, or just common sense principles, are being taken away. And those that try and uphold it are being bashed, being fired from their jobs, people in high positions that have been there, people who helped establish companies, being fired from their positions, blacklisted, because they're taking a stand for right, for morality. Companies blacklisting areas refusing to do business with certain states because they have laws upholding principles that have been for eons. Again, just common sense stuff. Other states boycotting certain states. Well, where are the voices lifted up saying, we're going to boycott those states that are boycotting those states? Where are the voices lifted up? We're going to boycott those companies that are boycotting that state. Where are the voices? There's an internet provider that fired its CEO because he made a $100 donation to a political organization that was standing for morality. I mean, so much morality, again, really just tradition. $100 donation. That for a CEO of that big company? That was like nothing. Nothing. And they fired him. And got away. Where is the uproar among believers to say, we're going to boycott that company? The faithful people have perished from the earth. Plenty of wicked, but where are the faithful people? Where are the people who are willing to stand with truth? Where are the people who are willing to take a stand? Where are the people who are willing to uphold God's word? Regardless, of the consequences. Children and I were just uh, 
doing a little research on Galileo. Amazing man. He believed that the earth revolved around the sun. They began to teach that. And that the, ter the earth rotated. And he began to teach that. But that went against what Aristotle taught. And the church of his day went with what Aristotle taught close to 2,000 years prior. And it could not be questioned. He was brought before the magistrates and tried and found guilty of heresy. And they would have killed him except one stood in his place and he got sentenced to house arrest for the rest of his life. But he took the stand anyway. When they told him to stop writing, when they told him to stop speaking, he continued anyway, for truth's sake. Where are the people who are willing to stand for truth? Where are the faithful people in the earth? It seems like they've perished. No doubt there are. Just like in Elijah's day, he said, I'm the only one standing. And certainly he wasn't. There were 7,000 that haven't bent the knee to Baal. That's where we're going in history. We're getting down to a time where it'll seem like there are no faithful people left. There will be a remnant. The Bible predicts and promises there will be a remnant down to the very end. But it'll be less and less. It'll seem like they've perished. No one upright among us. Everyone's just waiting for blood. Every man hunts his brother with a net, fighting and political rallies. There's riots and People beating each other up and pepper spraying each other. Craziness going on. Every man hunting his brother. And princes asking for gifts, taking bribes. That's corrupt, and yet it's become acceptable. It's a business deal. open and boasted as acceptable. The judge is looking for the bride. The great men utter his evil desires and they scheme together. And probably the worst of all this is that no one even cares. No one even seems to see that it's evil or very few anyway, are speaking up against the corruptions that are taking place in the world today, right before our eyes. And what's happening in Micah's day? And what happened in Micah's day? The Assyrians came in and took northern Israel captive. The ten tribes were dispersed and wiped out, for the most part. We're living in a similar day in Earth's history. The best of them is like a briar. The utmost, the utmost upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. And the day of your watchmen and your punishment comes, now shall be their perplexity. 
Like the best is like a briar, like a thorn bush. Or walk through a thorn bush, get all cut up and ripped up, grabs a hold of your skin and rips your clothes. Punishment's coming, judgment day is coming. And even the best is ripping each other apart. Don't trust in a friend. Don't put your confidence in a companion. Guard the doors of the mouth of your mouth from the one who lies in your bosom. For son dishonors father, daughter rises against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies are those of his own household. Some of you can say, well, hey, I can relate to that. But he's not talking about just those under difficult circumstances. This applies for everyone. Don't trust in a friend. Don't trust in your confidence in a companion. Can't trust anyone. Goes on and lists family members, sons and fathers and daughters and mothers. Bible predicts this in other places as well. A betrayal will take place, brother to brother, child to parent, and parent to child. Betraying going on even in our own households. We've seen that down through the ages. So that at times, difficult age we're living in. Now we, well, we don't put our confidence and trust in them. Got to confide in somebody. Got to open up your heart to somebody, right? Some people have been so burned by relationship that they don't, aren't able to openly, truly love. Fearful they're going to get hurt again. If I open my heart again, they'll get hurt again. If they're abused again, I'll be taken advantage of again. Better to love and to open up and be hurt than to just keep it in. So while we should have friends, while we should have companions, while marriage is good, our trust and our confidence is not in human beings. Human beings will let us down. All 12 of the disciples of Yeshua they betrayed him. Ten of Joseph's brothers betrayed him. Moses' cousin betrayed him. His brother and his sister at one point turned on him. Fortunately, they repented. Cain killed Abel from the beginning of time. Lucifer rebelled against God. One third of the angels turned against the other angels and against God. 
Nothing new under the sun. So we shouldn't be surprised when it happens to us as well. But that hasn't stopped God from loving. That hasn't stopped God from opening up. Even though he is rejected, even though he is hurt, even though he is disappointed. But it helps when we don't put our trust and our confidence in the person. We can open up, we can love, we can share, we can make ourselves vulnerable. But our trust is not in humans. Because humans will disappoint us. Humans won't be able to meet our needs. Humans won't be able to fill our needing soul. The longing of the heart cannot be met by a human being. But that's what we do. Our human nature, that's what we naturally do. We put our trust in parents. We put our trust in siblings. We look for love from spouses. We look for fulfillment in jobs and careers and activities and sports. And all of that's passing. And all of that's empty. And even at the best of it, it will not meet the longing of the soul. The deepest recess of our being, our most Passionate needs cannot be met by a human being. At best. And at worst, it will lead to disappointment and hurt and pain. So his advice to us is don't trust in a friend. Don't put confidence in a companion. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. God is our trust. God is our confidence. God is our hope. Look to him. Trust in him. Lay all your wants and your desires at his feet. Let him lift us up. He will hear us. Even when everyone else has shut us off, he will hear us. He will help us. He will satisfy us. Wait for the God of our salvation. Yeshua. Yeshua T, my salvation. My God. Our Messiah. Micah was waiting for him. He has come. We have him. Our salvation has been paid. It's available to us. Look to him. And while we are putting our confidence in him and trusting in him and looking to him and receiving our salvation from him and having all our needs met by him, filled with his love, communicating with him, hearing from him, filled to overflowing with him, then we'll be able to give love to others. And we won't be needing it from them. We won't be trying to get it from them. People get into a relationship and get married together, hoping that other person will meet their needs. They'll be disappointed. 
That's when you hear after 10, 20 years, fell out of love. Because the person didn't meet their needs. No human can meet another one's needs. Only God. Only the Lord. Yes, it's good to have friends. Yes, it's good to have companions. Yes, it's good to share with them. Yes, it's good to open up to them. Our trust is in the Lord. And even if humans disappoint us, God never will. Never will. He will hold us fast. And when we have him as our strength, it doesn't really matter if humans disappoint us or not. salvation, our hope, our trust, our praise is all met by him, by the Lord God. And then we're able to give, and we're able to give forgiveness, and we're able to give even when others aren't giving back. Because that's what true love is. True love is giving without demanding anything back. True love is choosing to give, choosing to love, Choosing to care, even if the other doesn't care back. That's the type of love God has for us. And that's the type of love God can give to us and fill us with so that we can give it to others. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy, when I fall. I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my case and executes justice for me. He will bring me forth to the light. I will see his righteousness. Wonderful paragraph. Wonderful couple verses here. He's already predicted they will rejoice over us. He already predicted brother will, the son will disappoint, the betray a father and parents to their children and brothers to brothers and sisters to sisters. There'll be a lot of betraying going on. There'll be a lot of rejoicing against us going on. He says, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. It won't matter. We'll be able to stand up, hold our head firm and say, don't rejoice over me. Because even if I fall, I will arise and live. You can knock me down, but I will get back up. Not dependent on getting knocked down. We all get knocked down. What counts is who gets up. That's who wins the fight. That's who wins the battle. Who gets back up? Who arises? That's who wins. Right? I saw it in the movie Rocky. Right? He got back up. That's why he won. Our Lord fell. Didn't fall into sin. But he got put into the grave. But he arose. And just as he arose, we will arise. And if we fall, if we die before he comes, we have the assurance 
we will rise as well. Our enemies can rejoice over us. Death can rejoice over us for a time only. But we will arise. Because our Messiah has risen. Because he lives, we have life as well. When we go through dark places in our life, the Lord will be the light to us. When we go through empty times when we have bosses that hate us and malign us, when they put us down, when we're not appreciated, when we're overlooked, when we have children who don't call us, when we have parents who don't love us and even hurt us, when we have spouses we're not equally yoked with, who don't care about us. God will be a light to us. The loneliest people are not single people. The loneliest people are people who are married, but not matched. But even through those lonely times, God will be a light to us. God will be a companion to us. God will be the light, the strength, the friend to us. Who sticks closer than a brother. Who never leaves us nor forsakes us. Who meets our every deed. And when we fall, he lifts us up. We rise because he strengthens us. He puts us on our feet. He puts us on the right path. And he holds us fast. We will bear the iniquity of indignation of the Lord because of our sins. Because of our sins, Micah confesses. He didn't just go around and say, oh, there doesn't seem to be anyone righteous on the earth. The faithful people have perished. But like Elijah, I alone. No, he says, I have sinned against him. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have fallen for Satan's traps. All of us have fallen through human temptations from our carnal nature pulling us down. All of us have sinned because of our inner cravings. All of us have sinned because of other people's Abuses of us and misuses of us. Tricks and lies and deceptions. But God will plead our case as we surrender to him. As we confess our sins before him. As we accept his sacrifice in our place. That's why Cain killed Abel. Cain killed Abel because Abel was more righteous than Cain. Why was he more righteous? Because he offered a blood sacrifice. He offered what God asked for. A blood atonement. A lamb representing the Messiah to come. Who would die in our place. 
and the wicked hate the righteous, and the righteous live righteously. So don't be surprised when the world hates us. The important thing is to have our lives right with God. Confess our sins before Him. Allow Him to forgive us and cleanse us and to hold us up and to plead our case before Him in Judgment Day. And then God will execute judgment, justice for us. God will stand as our defense when we take Him up as our lawyer, when we take Him up as our defense. He will be a shield to us. He will defend us against our enemies. And our enemies, while they may seem they are from our own household, our real enemies are not flesh and blood. Our real enemies are the devil and his evil angels. And the humans that he uses to harass us are just pawns in his hands. Look past them. You know the real enemy. We trust in the Lord to fight our real enemy for us. He will execute justice and judgment for us. He will destroy our enemies. He will bring us forth into the light and we will see his righteousness. And as we see him in all of his glory, when we see him in all of his righteousness, we are drawn to that. And the more of his righteousness we see, the more we realize how short we fall. When we think we're okay, when we think our lives were doing pretty good, that's a sure sign that we're far from the Lord. Because the closer we come to him, the clearer we see him in his perfection, and the more we see our imperfection. When we stand in a mirror 40 feet away, we look pretty good. As the closer we get, the more we're able to see the imperfection. And the closer we get to the Lord, the more he will show us the imperfection, not so we can feel bad, but so that we can confess those and give them to him and receive forgiveness and release and rise up. The more he can show us where we're falling so he can pick us up. So he can lift us up. Free us from the burdens of the guilt and the habits and the sins and the mud and the dirt and the junk and the filthy thinking the negativity. And he releases us from it. But he can't release us if we don't see it, if we don't confess it. And so he reveals it only so he can remove it and set us free. Take us to a higher level, another level. Bring us closer to himself. So he can show us something else. So he can free us from that as well. We see his righteousness. And by beholding him, we become changed into his likeness. And his righteousness begins to be lived out in us. His righteous acts begin to be lived out in us. Verse 10, then the one who sees my enemy will see. Then the one who sees, 
Then the one who is my enemy will see. And shame will cover the one who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see them. Now they will be trampled down like mud in the streets. When, when, when will the one who is my enemy see and shame cover his face? When we confess our sin. Right, the verse right before it. It said, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my case and executes justice for me. As we confess our sin and humble ourselves before the Lord, we will be able to stand before kings. Stand before judges. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift us up. The lower we come before God, the higher he makes us. And then we were able to be rise, then we will be able to rise above our enemies. And they will be ashamed. And shame will cover them for how they have mistreated us. When we get into fights with our enemy, we lower ourselves and come down to their levels. They call us a nasty name, we call them a nasty name back, and even worse. They add to that, we add to that. We're just coming down and wrestling in the mud with them. But when we choose to forgive and choose not to enter into fight with them, forgiveness does not mean we allow them to abuse us. It just means we don't retaliate. That doesn't mean that we don't take them to court. That doesn't mean we don't call the police. That doesn't mean we don't separate ourselves from them. That doesn't mean we don't fire them or evict them. doesn't mean we take abuse. It just means we don't retaliate in the same way. We don't come down to their level. And any justice we need to have imposed upon them, whether they need to be arrested or, again, fired or any of these other type of things, it's only so they don't continue to hurt others. It's not out of retaliation. It's not out of vengeance. It's out of justice. And there's a major difference. We'll be able to rise above it. And even as we have to enact justice at times, we don't do it with hatred. Because God has filled us with love. And so we have compassion for the person and pity upon the person. And we rise above it. And they will see. And sometimes come to repentance as a result. But shame will come over them. And if not here and now, Certainly on Judgment Day, they will cover their faces in shame. It's interesting, the taunts that they had, they said, where is the Lord your God? Don't be surprised if you haven't already had that. As they trample upon us, 
Where is your God? They said it to Yeshua. The Father loves you, let him bring you down. Let him save you now. Where is the Lord your God? And that's what they'll say to us. You trust in him? How come the blessings aren't there? How come the majority is with us? How come all the world is following this way? You only holding on to the peculiar teachings. Come and join the whole world. Look at our signs and wonders. Our eyes will see them, and they will be trampled down. Those who receive the mark of the beast, those who follow the devil, and the imposters, will eventually be judged and trampled down. God's judgment day will come. Our final deliverance will take place. But in the meantime, in the here and now, if we go through the struggles of this earth, if we go through the trials, whether in our homes, or in our workplace, or school, or in our neighborhood, our enemies are rising up against us, trust in the Lord. Look to Him. View His righteousness. And let Him lift you up. And if you fall, confess your sin. Let Him forgive you. And let Him build you back up. And let Him work in your life. And work his righteousness in your life. And so when the enemy is in the house, trust in the Lord. He will rise us up and take care of us. So whatever you're going through in your life right now, maybe you've been disappointed recently or maybe sometime in the past. Maybe there's something in your life you haven't dealt with yet. Maybe there's something you haven't been willing to face yet. But today, God is wanting to liberate you. God is wanting to set you free from those memories. God is wanting to set you free from that anger. God is wanting to set you free from that vengeance and that resentment and that bitterness. God is wanting to free you from the hurt and the pain and the enemies, maybe with someone close. Maybe with someone you trusted. Maybe with someone you put confidence in. Surrender it to the Lord. Let him lift you up. Maybe you've come down to the level of your enemy. Let God forgive you. Let God release you. Let God lift you up above you. Maybe you've had a hard time forgiving. Moving past the hurt and the pain. God wants to lift you up. God wants to lift you up and seat you in heavenly places with him. God wants 
bring you before his throne. God wants to work his justice in your life. You want to see your enemies humbled. You want them to be ashamed. Begin by humbling yourself before the Lord and coming before him and seeking his face. It's whatever you're needing tonight. Forgiveness, strength, or hope, or cleansing, healing, spiritually or physically, deliverance. Whether you're going through some problem with some enemy now or in the past. Whether you've fallen and need to be lifted up, or you've been cast down and needed to be need to be picked up. Trust in the Lord. And look to him. Find hope and justice in him as we pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we praise your name for you are good, for you are just, for you are loving. We praise you because you love us with an everlasting love and you have promised to always be with us, to hold our hand and to walk us through this life and to carry us through the troublous times. Thank you for loving us and holding us. Having our, your eyes always upon us. Thank you for hearing our cries and listening to our pleas. Thank you for knowing us. Knowing the plans you have for us. Thank you for seeing us through to this day. Thank you for promising to see us through to eternity. And thank you, Yeshua, that you've come here and been through it. Thank you that you know what it's like to be hurt by your own friend, deceived with a kiss, betrayed by a friend. Lord, you know what we go through. You know who the, the harassment and the indignation and the name calling. the physical and emotional and mental hurts that we've been through. Thank you for lifting us up. Thank you for carrying us through. Thank you for meeting our needs. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for the promise that your enemies and our enemies will one day be destroyed and that we will live forever. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.